اعوذ باللہ من الشیطان الرجیم بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم لیسن نمبر 194 سورة الشعراء آیا 192-227 وَإِنَّهُ and indeed it meaning this Qur'an is لَتَنزِيلُ surely revelation from who? رب العالمين the Lord of the worlds this Qur'an is تنزيل from رب العالمين What is tanzil? Gradual revelation. In a specific order. Part after part. Deliberate. Not randomly and haphazardly. No. In a specific order, the Lord of the universe has revealed this Qur'an and Allah Azza wa Jal is described as Rabbil Alameen over here. Earlier in the surah, We learned that Fir'aun asked Musa alayhi salam, وَمَا رَبُّ الْعَالَمِينَ That what is this Lord of the worlds that you're talking about? And Musa alayhi salam responded that he is رَبُّ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَمَا بَيْنَهُمَا The Lord of the skies and the earth and that which is between. And then he further described, رَبُّكُمْ وَرَبُّ آبَائِكُمُ الْأَوَّلِينَ He's your God and also the God of your forefathers before. And then he also described him as, رَبُّ الْمَشْرِقِ وَالْمَغْرِبِ وَمَا بَيْنَهُمَا Lord of the East and the West and whatever that is between the two. Then we learned that Ibrahim a.s. He also described رَبُّ الْعَالَمِينَ to his people. He said, فَإِنَّهُمْ All of these idols, what are they? عَدُوُّلِّي إِلَّا رَبَّ الْعَالَمِينَ All of these idols are an enemy to me, except for who? Who is not an enemy to me? Lord of the universe. رَبُّ الْعَالَمِينَ Who is He? الَّذِي خَلَقَنِي فَهُوَ يَهْدِينَ The one who created me and then guided me. وَالَّذِي هُوَ يُطْعِمُنِي وَيَسْقِينِي Gives me to eat and drink. وَإِذَا مَرِضْتُ فَهُوَ يَشْفِينَ When I fall ill, He is the one who cures me. وَالَّذِي يُمِيتُنِي ثُمَّ يُحِيينَ The one who will cause me to die and then He will also bring me life. So He is Rabbul Alameen. He is the one who has sent this Qur'an gradually. So the source of the Qur'an is who? Allah Rabbul Alameen. Nazala. He has come down. Bihi with it. Ar-Ruhul Ameen. The trustworthy spirit. The Ruh, the spirit, that is Al-Ameen. Which Ruh is this? Who is this? Angel Jibreel. Because he is mentioned in the Qur'an as Ar-Ruh. And over here specifically, Ar-Ruhul Ameen. Ameen, who is Ameen? Trustworthy, honest, reliable, the one who does not cheat. The one who does not cheat, the one who does not hide what is to be revealed. The one who is honest in conveying whatever has to be conveyed. So, if you think about it, earlier we learned about the Prophets of Allah. Every single Prophet, who was he? Ameen. And the angel who brought revelation is also Ameen. And the Qur'an was brought down by who? This Ameen, trustworthy angel. To who? To the Prophet ﷺ. عَلَىٰ قَلْبِكَ Upon your heart. Who is you over here? Rasulullah ﷺ. That the angel Jibreel has brought this Qur'an down where? To your heart. Why the heart? Because what fills the heart will fill one's life. The state of the heart will be the state of one's life.
So if the Qur'an is in the heart, then it will definitely impact one's entire life and transform it. Because Qur'an, it is the food of the heart. It is ghiva of the heart. It is ghiva of iman. This is how faith becomes stronger. And remember that whatever enters a heart, that will enter the entire body. That will enter the entire life of a person. So the Qur'an was revealed upon the heart. Because it is the Qur'an which keeps the heart salim. It keeps the heart sound. How? It strengthens iman and it rids of all evils that may settle in the heart. So ala qalbika, the Qur'an has been brought down where? On your heart. لِتَكُونَ مِنَ الْمُنذِرِينَ لِتَكُونَ So that you, O Prophet ﷺ, would be مِنَ الْمُنذِرِينَ Of those who warn. You would become of the warners. And this is what happens to a person when Qur'an enters his heart. What happens to a person? He becomes a munzir. He becomes a warner. Because he cannot keep the haq, the truth, to himself only. You see, Qur'an is a muharrik. What is muharrik? Meaning one that moves the other. So if it enters the heart, really if a person believes in it, loves it, takes guidance from it, then what will happen? It will move a person. Move a person to change himself. And also bring light around himself and help the people who are around him. لِتَكُونَ مِنَ الْمُنْزِرِينَ بِلِسَانٍ This Qur'an has been revealed بِلِسَانٍ in language. Which language? That is Arabian, Arabic. An Arabic language, what is its characteristic? It is mubin. It is clear. It is eloquent. So this Qur'an has been revealed in Arabic that is clear and eloquent. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose this language for a reason. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the Qur'an in Arabic. Could He send it in every other language also? He could have. But He chose Arabic for this. Because Arabic is clear and eloquent. The way Arabic affects, nothing else, no other language affects the heart in that way. Not just the sound of it, even its script. Even the Arabic script. Recently I was watching this TED talk by this artist, Muslim artist from Tunisia who's basically a calligrapher and a graffiti, you know, someone who does graffiti. All right? And he's basically combined calligraphy and graffiti in Arabic. And huge, huge artwork he's done, like on tall buildings, massive, all over the world. And he refuses to translate it. He says, because the Arabic script touches your soul, and I don't want people to know its meaning to appreciate it, I want them to appreciate the script as it is. Because he said, it speaks to your soul. It touches you the way no other art touches you. The way no other script touches you. And he's right about that. So, بِلِسَانٍ عَرَبِيٍّ mubin In a clear Arabic language. وَإِنَّهُ And indeed it, meaning this Qur'an, its arrival or its contents, are also found where? Lafi surely in Zuburil Awaleen. The scriptures are former people. Zubur is a plural of Zabur, Zaybara. And what is Zabur? A piece of something. And Zabur refers to scripture. Why is the word Zabur used for it? Because people they separated the book in scrolls, in pieces, meaning they did not keep the scripture together. It was just fragments here and there. 
And even the Qur'an, when it was written at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, people wrote it on whatever they had. And then, at the time of Abu Bakr anhu, when he was a Khalifa, Umar anhu was worried that the people will forget the Qur'an, so it should be publicized, it should be basically published and spread across the Muslim lands. And for that reason, all the fragments, whatever people had, they were brought together. And Abu Bakr anhu had the entire Qur'an written cover to cover in the sense that he would have people who would recite and also for that recitation, also a written record. So when both would match and then witnesses also would testify that yes, this is how it is, then they would put it down. So Zubur, initially it was in pieces, but it was brought together. And Zubur basically is referring to the previous scriptures. Al-awwalina of the first ones. And remember that Zabara is also to write something in thick Clear letters, thick, dark. Alright? So, Zubur al-Awwaleen. Which scriptures are these? The Torah and the Injil. So Allah is telling us that this Qur'an, it is also in the previous scriptures. What does it mean by that? Two meanings. Firstly, that it's arrival, it's coming. Meaning it has been predicted in the previous scriptures. The previous scriptures in form of a final scripture that will come. And secondly, its contents, meaning the message that was in the previous scriptures, the main message, that is also the main message of the Qur'an. Now, when it comes to the main message, if you look at all the previous accounts that we have read in the surah of all the previous prophets, what was their message? So the Qur'an also brings the exact same message. Now when it comes to its prediction, the coming of the Qur'an, or the coming of a final scripture being mentioned in the previous scriptures, is that true? Of course it is true because Allah is telling us. Well, do we find any record of this in the previous scriptures? For sure we do. We learn that in Isaiah 29.12, it is said, then the book will be given to the one who is illiterate, saying, please read this. And he will say, I cannot read. What is this? Huh? Iqra' Bismi rabbika alladhi khalaq And what did he say? Ma ana biqari Then the book will be given to the one who is illiterate Saying please read this And he will say I cannot read And the verses before what do they say? They say when they give it Meaning the book to the one who is literate Saying read this He will say I cannot for it is sealed Meaning those who are literate If the book is given to them They will say no, it is sealed. وَقَالُوا قُلُوبُنَا خُلْفٌ That's what the Ahlul Kitab said, right? That we are not in need of this book because our hearts are already full. Now, of course, they interpret it differently. And it's amazing how you will find different translations and different versions of the same text. Because this is what happens. When you've lost the original text, then, of course, the truth, it seems confusing. So, وَإِنَّهُ لَفِي زُبُرِ الْأَوَّلِينَ أَوَلَمْ a is wa and lam not, meaning awalam, then is it not, yakun, it is, lahum for them ayatan a sign, meaning is it not enough of a sign for them, what is on that, ya'lamahu, he knows it, who knows it, ulama'u, the knowledgeable people of Bani Israel, of the children of Israel, ulama is a plural of alim, knowledgeable person. Meaning, the knowledgeable people from the Bani Israel, 
they know about this Qur'an. They say that yes, this is the word of Allah. This is the truth. Well, there are many ulama that say otherwise of the Bani Israel. But at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, in fact, when the Prophet ﷺ received the first revelation and he did not know what was happening, Khadija anha took him to who? Waraqa bin Nawfal, who was a Christian man, a knowledgeable person who would read the scripture. This is how he's described. Someone who could read and write. Alim. And what did he say to the Prophet ﷺ? That the same one who went to Musa has also come to you. So isn't that enough of a proof? That a scholar from the children of Israel, he's saying that yes, this is the truth. Isn't that enough of a proof? It is. Well, if that is not sufficient, then take the example of Addas, who was a slave from Ta'if. When the Prophet ﷺ went to a Ta'if, and then he was basically expelled out of there, and he took shelter in a garden, and over there, what happened? The owner of the garden, he felt pity for the Prophet ﷺ, so he sent his slave to the Prophet ﷺ with some grapes. And what was the name of the slave? Addas. And he was a Christian man. And when he came to the Prophet ﷺ with the food, with the grapes, the Prophet ﷺ before eating, he said, Bismillah. So Addas said, what did you say? You're saying something that the people of this land do not say. And the Prophet ﷺ asked him, where are you from? And he said, I am from a particular place. And the Prophet ﷺ said that, that is from where Yunus bin Matta was. So he said, how do you know Yunus? How do you know Jonah? And the Prophet ﷺ said, I am his brother, meaning he was a prophet, and I am also a prophet. And Addas basically, he accepted Islam. He was also a Christian man. Someone who knew his religion. He knew of Prophet Yunus ﷺ, right? So he knew his religion. Then, we also learn about Abdullah bin Salam anhu from Medina, who was a Jewish rabbi, a Jewish scholar. And when the Prophet ﷺ came, when Abdullah saw the face of the Prophet ﷺ, he said, I knew this was not a liar. Then we also learn about Salman Farisi anhu, right, who had traveled through the Christian lands and who had been with the highest of priests and whoever their great men are. He knew Christianity very well. And he came to the Prophet ﷺ and he believed in him. Now Najashi from Abyssinia, then we also learn about the king of the Romans. I mean, all of these people, from the people of the book, Jews and Christians, they knew. So, أَوَلَمْ يَكُنْ لَهُمْ آيَةً أَنْ يَعْلَمَهُ عُلَمَاءُ بَنِي إِسْرَائِيلِ Because you see, the Arabs, they used to look up to the Jews and the Christians. They had this inferiority complex, okay? Because they did not have a scripture, they did not have this tradition of reading, of study, of scholarship, but the Jews and the Christians, they had this tradition. So the Arabs, they were denying the Prophet ﷺ. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that, why do you deny him? Look at the Jews and the Christians, those people whom you look up to. If their scholars are saying that Muhammad ﷺ is a messenger, then why are you denying? Who are you to deny? وَلَوْ And if نَزَّلْنَاهُ We had revealed it. Meaning we had revealed this Qur'an. عَلَىٰ upon بَعْضِ الْأَعْجَمِينَ Some of the foreigners. Meaning if the Qur'an had been revealed on a foreigner, a non-Arab person. أَعْجَمِينَ Plural of the word أَعْجَمِي And أَعْجَمِي from عَيْن جِيم ميم. Who is أَعْجَمِي? أَعْجَمِي Not the name أَعْجَمِي. Okay? Who is it? Foreigner. Meaning someone who is not an Arab, right? Literally, this word means someone who is غير fasih, meaning someone who is not very eloquent. So for Arabs, 
Arabic was the most eloquent language. It was the most expressive. Because they didn't express themselves through any other way. Not through art, not through architecture, not through building their cities, not through their jewelry, nothing. Utensils, nothing. Woodwork, no. Nothing at all. Because they didn't have anything but sand and air and their animals. So how is it that they expressed themselves? Through their language. So really the Arabic language is the most rich, eloquent language. So our jami is a foreigner, meaning someone who does not speak Arabic. And by definition, he would be? He would be? Very expressive, eloquent? No, not at all. فَقَرَأَهُ عَلَيْهِمْ Then he recited upon them. What? That which Allah would reveal on him, meaning the Qur'an. So connect this with the previous ayah, that وَلَوْ نَزَّلْنَاهُ عَلَى بَعْضِ الْأَعْجَمِينَ If we had revealed the Qur'an on a foreigner, non-Arab person. And then this non-Arab man came and recited the Qur'an on them in pure Arabic, مَا كَانُوا بِهِ مُؤْمِنِينَ مَا not كَانُوا they were بِهِ with it, مُؤْمِنِينَ ones who believe. Meaning still they would not believe at all. So basically what is being said is that if a non-Arab came before them, perfectly reciting the Qur'an, still they would reject. So then the problem is not with the person who is delivering the message to them, is it? It's not that they have a problem with Muhammad wasallam. It's not the munzir. Because even if he was a non-Arab, still they wouldn't be impressed. Then what is the problem? They don't like the message. They don't like the Qur'an. This is why no matter who comes and delivers it to them, whether Muhammad ﷺ or some non-Arab, even an angel, even if it's sent down in a written form to them, still they would reject. Because a person who does not want to believe, then it doesn't matter what proof you bring them, they're never going to accept. Now if you think about it, what is mentioned over here, that if a non-Arab recites the Qur'an, then that is pretty amazing. Hmm? And really if you think about it, even today, no matter where in the world you go, you find a Muslim community, they speak Chinese or whatever language they speak, you will find hufal amongst them. And when they recite the Qur'an, you cannot tell whether they are Arab or non-Arab. This is amazing. This is amazing. That you will find hufal from you know, every cultural background, all right? every you know, social class, Forget about social class, men, women, different ages, from little children to old people even, right? And you see them reciting the Qur'an so fluently, so beautifully, this is a miracle. And the very fact that the Qur'an can be memorized, this is also a miracle. Which other book is there in history which can actually be memorized cover to cover? Seriously. Have you ever seen those Qur'an recitation competitions? You know, for example, one person recites an ayah, he stops and somebody else has to pick up and they start reciting. It's so amazing. So this is really a miracle of the Qur'an. The fact that it can be memorized and the fact that people from different backgrounds, different languages, they recite the same Qur'an. Kadalika, Thus. Meaning just as they would deny if a non-Arab recited the Qur'an to them, they deny now when an Arab recites Qur'an to them. Salaknahu, We have inserted it. Meaning, they deny. Why? Because we have inserted it. 
What? Salaknahu. Who refers to kufr, denial. Fi qulubil mujrimin in the hearts of the criminals. Remember the word salaka, sin lam kaf, to enter into something. So this belief has entered in their hearts. And when kufr has settled in the hearts of the criminals, then it doesn't matter what sign they see, what miracle they see, what proof they are given, they're not going to believe. They're going to come up with one reason, another reason, another excuse, one after the other. Because disbelief has settled in their hearts. In Surah Al-An'am, Ayah 7, we learn, وَلَوْ نَزَّلْنَا عَلَيْكَ كِتَابًا فِي قِرْطَاسٍ فَلَمَسُوهُ بِأَيْدِيهِمْ لَقَالَ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا إِنْ هَذَا إِلَّا سِحْرٌ مُّبِينٌ If we had sent down the Qur'an to you as a written scripture on a page, and they touched it with their hands, still they would say, this is nothing but obvious magic. لَا يُؤْمِنُونَ بِهِ They will not believe in it. حَتَّى until يَرَوُوا They see الْعَذَابَ الْأَلِيمِ The painful punishment. Meaning when they see the painful punishment, then yes, they will regret. Just as the people of Thamud did. فَأَصْبَحُوا نَادِمِينَ But will that regret benefit them? No. فَيَأْتِيَهُمْ So it will come to them. What will come to them? The punishment will come to them. بَغْتَةً Suddenly, without any warning. وَهُمْ While they لَا يَشْعُرُونَ They do not perceive. Meaning they will not sense the adab approaching them. And when they will not sense it approaching, when they will not feel it coming close, then, then what will happen? They will be unprepared for it. And the moment it shows up, it will come suddenly. So they will not expect it at all. وَهُمْ لَا يَشْعُرُونَ You know, for example, if a person is in the masjid. Salat al-Taraweeh is going on. They don't want to pray. But at the same time, they don't want their parents to know that they're not praying. So what do they do? They sit at the back of the masjid, talking, chatting, whatever. And then as soon as they feel that the imam is you know, reciting very slowly now, he's going to end the rak'ah, he's going to go into rukur, run quickly. Run quickly, join the salah, miss the entire qiyam, okay? And then just go into rukur and you know, finish with the imam and pretend like, oh, see, I prayed. I'm so nice. Now, this is only possible when you hear the recitation. Right? So a person is basically playing a trick and they can quickly come and join the salah. But what if they don't hear the imam slowing down his recitation and the imam just abruptly stops his recitation and goes into rukur? Then what? They're caught. Right? Because then they have to, you know, get up and pray two rakah as opposed to one rakah. Right? So anyway, or maybe they don't hear it at all and they miss the salah and they're sitting and all of a sudden their mother walks up to them. What were you doing? You weren't praying and you said you pray. Caught. You understand? So this is just an example that when a person is trying to trick another and you know, he's saying that, yeah, at the last moment I'll go and just do this. It's not necessary that they'll be able to do it. They could be caught right there. So, فَيَأْتِيَهُمْ بَغْتَةً وَهُمْ لَا يَشْعُرُونَ These tricks won't work. They won't work at all. Because the punishment will come how? Suddenly. فَيَقُولُوا So they will say, هَلْ نَحْنُ مُنظَرُونَ هَلْ مَيْ نَحْنُ وِي مُنظَرُونَ Ones to be given respite. Can we be given some more time? Meaning at that time they will ask to be spared for a few moments so that they can believe. Now this might seem like, you know, yeah, some really bad guys maybe who live like this. 
But make it relevant to our own lives. Sometimes we also delay things until the very last moment. Very last moment. But what if we're not able to? What if we're not able to take advantage of that last moment? And when we're not able to, then what do we wish for? Some more time. Few moments. So that we can do what is important. In Surah Ghafir, Ayah 85, Allah says, فَلَمْ يَكُوا يَنْفَعُهُمْ إِيمَانُهُمْ لَمَّا رَأَوْ بَأْسَنَا Their faith will not benefit them once they will see our punishment. In Surah Yunus, Ayah 96-97, we learn, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ حَقَّتْ عَلَيْهِمْ كَلِمَةُ رَبِّكَ those people for whom the word of your Lord has come into effect, they will not believe. Even if every sign comes to them, until they see the painful punishment. What? Then, with our punishment, they are impatient. Meaning, with this kind of behavior, what are they asking for? Allah's punishment to come quickly? You know like, if someone is constantly cheating you, betraying you, pretending as if they're listening to you, but in reality they're not. And they're just trying to make sure that you don't get upset with them. But if they keep behaving in this way, do you get more angry with them? Even more angry. Then why are you playing tricks with me? Be honest. If it's necessary for you to be in a place at a certain time, then you better be there. And if you're not, and you're pretending that you are, and you keep going every few minutes and coming back after every few minutes, are you playing tricks? Who are we trying to deceive? So for our punishment, are they impatient? So what do we learn? That this kind of behavior, cheating other people, cheating Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is something that hastens the punishment. It hastens the punishment. You see, we learned about the prophets of Allah. They were all ameen. What is amana? That whatever we are required to do, we do it. What is the opposite of that? Khiyana. That what we're supposed to do, we don't do it properly. The people of Shu'aib salam, they were punished. Why? Because they were causing loss to others. How? Instead of giving full measure, they would just reduce a little bit. Instead of completing the time, just reduce a little bit. Completing the work? No, not all of it. Just reduce a little bit. This is khiyana. And this is not prophetic character. Not at all. The prophets of Allah, they were ameen. They fully, fully conveyed the messages that they were to deliver. They completed the tasks that they were given. They did not cheat the people. They did not cheat their Lord at all. And this is something that we need to think about also. Let's be honest. That whatever task is given to us, let's do it properly, completely. Fearing who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So for example, when class is going on, no matter who we are, what our role is in the class, what is necessary, where should we be? Where should we be? In class. Is it correct then that during class, people are playing on the turf? Standing on the turf? Like seriously. Because yesterday somebody told me, who happened to be outside, a man, he said, I saw people from your class on the turf. They're not kids over here. Are we kids? Are we little children? Are we? No, we're not. I mean, it's understandable if 10-year-olds do that, 13-year-olds do that, maybe 15, maybe, maybe 16. But I think after 16, there's a little bit of 
Aql, you know? Huh? I know there are 16 here, mashallah. And most of the time they are in class. Because I don't see them walking out. But each and every person should think about themselves. That when I am required to be somewhere, then why do I leave that place? Thinking what? Who am I cheating? Who am I trying to hide from? Is this not a contract that we've made with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Our ajr is from who? Allah. And this is the kind of work that we do for Allah? Half-heartedly? Incomplete? Then what kind of ajr are we expecting? So this is something that we all need to take seriously. So, أَفَبِعَذَابِنَا يَسْتَعْجِلُونَ and also remember that the people of Makkah, they would demand the punishment from the Prophet ﷺ. That if you're really, you know, a true messenger, and if you're threatening us, then bring the punishment. And while it's not coming, they keep demanding, bring the punishment, bring the punishment. So Allah says, Then tell me, have you considered, what if, in if, matta'nahum, we gave them enjoyment, sinin for years. Meaning we let them enjoy we let them have fun for many years. Sinin is a plural of sana. Thumma then ja'ahum, it came to them, ma that which kanu they were, you adun, they were promised. Meaning after many years, then the punishment comes to them, and then basically they're finished. But they got to enjoy themselves for several years. Then, ma aghna anhum ma kanu yumatta'un. Ma not aghna anhum. It benefited them. مَا كَانُوا يُمَتَّعُونَ That which they were, يُمَتَّعُونَ They were provided from mata'. Meaning, whatever enjoyment they were given before the punishment came to them, all those years that the punishment didn't come, they got to have fun, they got to enjoy you know, their freedom. And eventually when the punishment comes, all that enjoyment is useless. Is it going to save them? Is it going to help them? Is it going to benefit them? Not at all. Why is it useless? Because the ultimate outcome is what? Destruction. Because you see, even if a person gets to live a life of 50 years of fun, entertainment, enjoyment, you know, fulfilling every possible desire, not caring about any halal, haram, just fulfilling their desire, but ultimately, if they're punished, then what good was that life? What good was it? You know, for example, if a criminal is on the loose for like 25 years and finally he's caught, what good was that 25 years? Eventually he's caught, he's going to rot in the prison for the rest of his life. Yeah, he might manage to escape, but then again he's caught and put back, and then again he escapes, and then again people are out looking for him. Yani, what good is that enjoyment if it's going to end up in punishment? So what's the lesson here? That they should not impatiently demand the punishment, nor should they doubt it. They should not be deceived by their present good state. The punishment will certainly come and all that they're in right now will be irrelevant and useless once the punishment comes. In Surah Al-Baqarah, Ayah 96, we learn, يَوَدُّ أَحَدُهُمْ لَوْ يُعَمَّرُ أَلْفَ سَنَةٍ Each and every one of them wishes that he could be given a life of a thousand years. But even a thousand years of life will not save a person from punishment. وَمَا أَهْلَكْنَا And we did not destroy مِنْ قَرْيَةٍ Any city إِلَّا except لَهَا For it munziroon Warners No city was destroyed except that warners were sent to them. Look at the past nations. Their examples have been mentioned. And this ayah, it demonstrates the two names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Al-Aziz and Al-Rahim. Hmm? 
that first of all, Allah destroyed these wrongdoing people. That shows His izzah, His might, His power. And then, إِلَّا لَهَا مُنْذِرُونَ It was only after the warners, after the warning was sent to them. And what does that show? Allah's mercy. This is why in Surah Yunus, Ayah 44, Allah says, إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَظْلِمُ النَّاسَ شَيْئًا وَلَكِنَّ النَّاسَ أَنفُسَهُمْ يَظْلِمُونَ Allah does not wrong people. It is people who wrong themselves. In Surah Al-Isra, Ayah 15, we learn, وَمَا كُنَّا مُعَذِّبِينَ حَتَّى نَبْعَثَ رَسُولًا We do not punish until we send a messenger. So the previous nations were destroyed only after warners were sent to them. ذِكْرَى As a reminder. Meaning the warners, the messengers, they were sent as a ذِكْرَى as a reminder. Meaning each time people forgot, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent a messenger to remind the people. Dhikra. The messengers were dhu dhikra. They brought dhikra. And their lives were an embodiment of the message that they brought. Like for example, the Prophet Quran. His character was the Quran. So the prophets came as warners and as dhikra, as reminder. That each time people forgot, the prophets were sent to remind them. And we can also understand that dhikra, meaning this is a reminder. For who? Firstly, the people of Makkah. That look, previous nations, they were destroyed after the warners were sent to them. A warner has been sent to you also. So take lesson. Dhikra. وَمَا كُنَّا ظَالِمِينَ And never have we been unjust. Allah is never ever unjust. Never in the past, never in the future, never now. Allah is not zalim at all. People are punished only when the truth is made clear to them and they choose to deny. Then they're punished. Let's listen to the recitation of these verses. وَإِنَّهُ لَتَنزِيلُ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ نَزَلَ بِهِ الرُّوحُ الْأَمِينَ عَلَى قَلْبِكَ لِتَكُونَ مِنَ الْمُنذِرِينَ بلسان عربي مبين وإنه لفي زبر الأولين أولم يكن لهم آية أن يعلمه علماء بني نَزَّلْنَاهُ عَلَى بَعْضِ الْأَعْجَمِينَ فَقَرَأَهُ عَلَيْهِمْ مَا كَانُوا بِهِ مُؤْمِنِينَ كَذَلِكَ سَلَكْنَاهُ فِي قُلُوبِ الْمُجْرِمِينَ لَا يُؤْمِنُونَ بِهِ حَتَّى يَرَوْا الْعَذَابَ الْأَلِيمَ فَيَأْتِيَهُمْ وهم لا يشعرون فيقولوا هل نحن منظرون أفبعذابنا يستعجلون أفرأيت إن متعناهم سنين ثم جاءهم ما كانوا ما أغنى عنهم ما كانوا يمتعون وما 